your age, not your shoe size. Now, of course, Prince didn't make up this phrase, but maybe he did make it popular and kind of funny. (laughs) His point, or at least what I'm able to gather from the song, is that he likes this woman and despite being Prince, he doesn't require all the bells and whistles we women might think it'd take to get a guy like him. But he doesn't hesitate to make it clear that sex, above perhaps all else, is very, very important to him. Again, you don't have to be rich, don't have to be cool, He doesn't even require a particular zodiac sign. He just wants a woman, not a girl's, time and a kiss. (laughs) Now, the brilliance of Prince needs no explanation. But don't you find it rather cute how he chose to be suggestive using the word kiss when we know good and well that he was talking about something else? But he made it perfectly clear with no explanation that women, not girls, ruled his world. Again, act your age, not your shoe size, he says. But what does that mean? I don't know about you, but I personally don't always know what constitutes acting my age. In my opinion, kids, they're the ones who really know how to get this thing called life right. The younger they are, the better people they are. They don't mistreat people based on the way they look. They don't worry about their appearance or obsess over their looks or weight. They know how to listen to their bodies and the universe by eating and sleeping and doing whatever else they feel the need to do exactly when they need to do it. And best of all, they know how to prioritize play. Unfortunately, for those of us who identify as female, this has been our plight since the beginning of time. No matter our age, we're never allowed to be girls. Even as girls, we're expected to be women. I will admit, I don't always know how to act my age, so I'm guilty of trying too hard to be a woman or what people expect a woman to be and coming up short because although I do like to be desired by the opposite sex there are things I'd much rather do than concern myself with being the ultimate desire of the opposite sex so I know it might be sacrilegious to go against the almighty prince but I actually think he was steering us wrong I think we should actually act our shoe size, not our age. I'm Kayana Ebony Brown, and this is a story of music and men. When Gideon asked me to meet him at U Street Music Hall, I was curious what business a guy like him had at a place like this. Knowing the spot well, I figured I'd 
dressed the part. Rocker cut black jeans, Chuck tail as a vintage tee, and black rimmed non-prescription, hipster glasses for good measure and accessory. I even plucked my hair out even more to make the curls in my fro just a little bit more untamed. Before I could get out of my ride share, I was confronted by a massive crowd doing a piss poor job of creating a single file line standing outside the place along the street. I spotted Gideon, who was already in line, and walked hastily toward him. Look, you have to believe me when I tell you I am not usually late, I said before even greeting him. Oh yeah, he said to meet him at 6.15. It was 6.54. Look, I was once a young business owner myself. I know how it is, so... You're actually right on time, he said, smiling. My mouth fell open. (laughs) You knew I would be late, so... So, I planned to see the whole show, he finished, still smiling. Doors open at (laughs) 7. But for the record, I'm usually always on time, okay? (laughs) He just said, okay, and ended that conversation with a smile. He had a really nice smile, and I bet he knew it, which was why he used it so much. It was nice enough to get him out of situations, and maybe into others. He looked over at me and said, You look good. Um, I, I like this get-up. It's, it's really cute. I thought about that. Cute. That was a step up from nice, I suppose, which was the usual complimentary word I got from guys. I still hadn't made it to hot yet, and I guess sexy might still be a ways off. I responded, uh, thanks, while looking down at myself to remember this ensemble for later use, perhaps. Fashion is not and never has been my strong suit. Although I didn't feel the need to return the compliment, I did notice that he wasn't wearing his shirt tucked into his jeans like last time. That, I guess, was an improvement. So, you like bulk and beatbox? He asked me. Oh, yeah. Bulk and beatbox is one of my favorite bands. In fact, I'd seen them the last time they were in DC. Then, I quickly remembered the style of music they did like this high-energy Israeli fusion of reggae, hip-hop, and klezmer. And I looked at him in shock and said, Wait, you like bulk and beatbox? (laughs) I'm a man of diverse tastes. I learned about their music during a trip to Tel Aviv a couple of years ago. Hmm, Tel Aviv. Wow. So he asked me, Have you been? Um, mm, sad to say that I don't get out of the city much. How come? He asked. The fact that I still lived at home with my father should have been evidence of my current financial status. But I responded with, well, time. Oh yeah, he said reminiscently. Those formative years of entrepreneurship can be a bitch, can't they? I simply smiled. He understood this without my having to explain. I like that. (laughs) 
The line began moving and we continued to talk as we made our way into the club. Come to find out, this was a small, exclusive performance in D.C. to celebrate their new album release, which explained why it wasn't at a bigger venue, considering the band's popularity. Gideon later mentioned that his close friend from Tel Aviv was the band's attorney. Who'd have guessed? It was standing room only inside, and the excitement began right away. Before the end of the first song, we were both jumping around like kids in one of those fast food restaurant jungle gyms. That evening, age went right out the window, and we bonded over bad dancing and bulking beatbox. While I was letting my hair down, Jay was letting her guard down. Mason had taken her to a party near Catholic University that was anything but holy. Things started out normal. Music, drinks, conversation. But somewhere between her second spliff and her third Stella Artois, the entire place had gone totally dark. The lights turned black, giving an ultraviolet glow to everything and everyone. The music changed from radio-friendly EDM to every kind of house on the block. The drinks were stronger than anything Anheuser-Busch would make, and hookah stems were an extension of nearly everyone's mouth. No one seemed to be talking either, but they were connecting in other ways far more intimate. This could have been a frat house, and this could have been a frat party, which meant Mason could have been a frat boy. But none of that even mattered to Jay, as she sat on a couch practically on Mason's lap, sharing smoke from a multi-stem hookah pipe as they could barely see through the cloud that surrounded them. She didn't know what it was about Mason that had her soul hooked. Perhaps his British accent, his caramel skin, plump lips. All of that was just icing. The cake, which was the real reason why she looked forward to a text from him every single day, was his unusual ability to make her come in the messiest of ways and faster than she could even do it herself. No man had ever done that so consistently, so the fact that he was technically still just a boy was utterly remarkable. Therefore, in her words, she gave zero fucks about how old he was because he was sexually skilled far beyond his years. So she indulged in hookah for the first time in years with Mason. And as he took the stem from his mouth, turned to her and blew the smoke right into her face, she laughed and lost herself in the moment as they then began making out. Jay hadn't done things like this since, well, since she was Mason's age. Suddenly, he pulled away, reaching into his pocket. Hey, 
Look what I found, he said, pulling out a handful of pills, some pink and some blue. The pink one is for me, and the blue one, I'm taking that for you. You'll thank me for it later, he said as he stuck his tongue in her mouth for five more seconds of action before he pulled away and began laughing suggestively as he popped one of each pill and downed them with her beer. Grimacing, she said, Hey, should you be mixing the two of those and with beer? (laughs) What are you like, my fucking mom now? This statement quickly made her self-conscious. She even looked around to make sure no one heard him, lest she be found out for being older than everyone there. Here, he offered, trying to stick one of the pills into her mouth. But she dodged it and tried to rebound by saying, I don't need pills to have a good time. Ooh, you know what would be fucking dope right now? He said already on another topic. If you gave me head. What? He didn't even seem to interpret her outrage as a no because he was sitting there smiling and apparently waiting for her to start. No, I'm not doing that shit right here. Come on, nobody's paying us any attention. But she said, that is not the point. Even with Mason Dixon, there were just some lines even Jay wouldn't cross. Fine, I'll just give it to you. However, there was always room for compromise. (laughs) He moved down onto his knees in front of her and spread her legs. And before she knew it, she could barely speak. and beatbox show ended just before dying, so Gideon and I figured we'd try to find something to eat before it got too late. But after strolling and talking and eliminating every restaurant we passed for one reason or another, before we knew it, midnight was approaching and our options were becoming even more limited. Fortunately, we stumbled onto the diner, which was the actual name of the diner, And lucky for us, it was open 24 hours. So, in we went. Talking with him came easily, and I enjoyed listening to the many stories of his travels and other adventures. I learned that Gideon was originally from Memphis, had been in business for himself for over 15 years, loved jazz, and in fact, he played tenor saxophone ever since he was six. I'd ordered pancakes, which, for some reason, Gideon found adorable. I almost never pass up breakfast food if it's an option, I admitted. I don't care what time of day it is. Or night, he filled in. Or night, I agreed. 
But as the conversation progressed, it somehow had quickly gone from lighthearted tales about his world experiences with food to loaded revelations about who he was and what he wanted out of life. Because, you know, your priorities start changing after a while, he explained. I mean, I've traveled all over the world. My business is doing great. I was young when I married, 22. Big, big mistake. So now, I have an ex-wife. <laughs> I don't want another one. I simply nodded while purposely avoiding eye contact as I tried to finish the pancakes, knowing that I didn't stand a chance. I'm ready to do it for real this time, he added. And I could feel him look at me when he said that, but again, I just nodded and made sure not to lock eyes. But he went on. And no kids, uh, not yet anyway. Uh, but what about you? I know you've never been married, but uh, is that something you were looking forward to? Or? My mouth was full, so this gave me the perfect excuse to take my time to answer him. But between you and me, as much as I might have considered a more domesticated life someday, in reality, it was the furthest thing from my mind at the time. Uh, I don't know, maybe, I responded. He smiled, but also grimaced, and repeated with a questioning inflection, maybe? This time, the waitress was at the table refilling the water in the glass, which, again, provided me a little more time before I had to respond. Most of the men I meet expect women, even ones my age, to be on the lookout for a husband. When I say I'm not looking for that, it immediately draws the conclusion that I'm doing what my friend Jay is doing, playing the field. And I'm not. But to say that I'm thinking about marriage right now might imply that I would jump into it in my 20s like Ty did. And I'm not doing that either. The waitress walked off, so I said, Yeah, maybe. So you don't know if you ever want to get married? Well, um, I might eventually. <laughs> you might. He repeated. But what, right now you're just out to have fun? No, not exactly. I mean, yeah, I want to have fun, but... I could see the look on his face was both a look of confusion and a look of intrigue. So I quickly added, <laughs> not that kind of fun. Not what kind of fun? He asked. And I thought to myself, <sighs> how do I explain this? Well, uh, like how most single people prefer to live, I don't. And I thought that my explanation was very clear, but he came back with, Okay, so you don't want to get married, but you don't want to be single. So what are you doing? Honestly, at that very moment, I wanted to be doing something, literally anything, other than talking about this with him. I hate feeling like I have to explain myself, but I hate being misunderstood. So it's always a weird, uncomfortable situation wishing people just got me without me having to give them anything to get. Um, I'm just, 
I sighed and started over. I guess I'm trying to live in the moment and not not focus too much on a future that may or may not even happen. And he asked me, why wouldn't it happen? I don't, I don't know. Do you have a plan? He asked. Um, a plan? Yeah, like a five-year plan, he explained. If so, it would lead you into your early 30s, and if you do plan to have kids, it should probably be a part of that schedule. My pancakes, or what was left of them, had become extremely important right now. But the truth was, I had a plan. A business plan, which had nothing to do with a husband or kids or any of that. So, in fact, I had a better idea of where my company would be in five years than I did my own life. The waitress came to the table and picked up Gideon's empty plate. And before she could get away, he said, Check, please. Those last five seconds of silence was more deafening than the concert we'd been in for two hours. And the funniest thing of all is that at that very moment, I would much rather have been discussing the bar scene from Pee Wee's Big Adventure than sitting at that table with him. episode of of music and men was written and produced by me kayana with express permission and the help of some of the most incredible indie artists in the world so let's take a look at what we had now we started off the episode with chilling in the 70s by studio monkey then we got into some Balkan music wasn't Balkan beatbox although that's what we were talking about but it is some Balkan inspired music by sound roll we had get the balkan party started and then we also had balkan partizini both of those songs by sound roll and then we had one of my favorites la gang teaming up with liquid on a track called things and then we followed that up with strange by aiden that was the house during jay's party situation (laughs) but uh, anyway, those are two of my favorite artists, um, LeGang te- teaming up with Liquid um, on that. And I love Aiden, just got into Aiden's stuff. But you can, all of this stuff is actually, links to these artists are in our show notes. So uh, you can check them out for yourself if you just scroll down or up or wherever and go to the show notes. We had some quirky Latin music playing in the restaurant or in the diner. And then we finished off the episode with Escape by Newell. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. It's from France. Uh, I'll get some correction on that later if I'm not. But again, linked up in the show notes, you can check out his music. Great, great producer out of France. Um, And then for your word later on, we're going to have some more music by Scott Buckley. I love Scott Buckley's music for the word. His his stuff just makes me feel like running through a wall. It's like classical music, but it makes me feel like 
a football player or something. I mean, it's like the, it's beautiful, but it's definitely something that will inspire you. And it, it helps to bring across the power of the word that we have. And that track is called Undertow. Now, for more information on these artists and how you can support their efforts, visit the show notes in your podcast app or go to ofmusicandmen.com and select this episode. If you would like to have your music featured on the show, check out our website for more information on how you can submit. Of Music and Men is much more than just a podcast, though. You know that. The novella series is available in online bookstores. And if you wish to have yourself a physical copy, guess what? You can get that on our website at ofmusicandmen.com. Lastly, connect with us on Patreon, where you can become part of this journey, part of this project, all of this good stuff, and help us to grow into everything we were meant to be. Make sure to share this, too, some way, somehow, with at least one of your friends. And follow Of Music and Men everywhere online at Of Music and Men. And when you do, please don't hesitate to reach out. Artists and entrepreneurs are a very unique type. I mean, we face lots of rejection, almost too often for comfort. So whether you're a seasoned business owner or creator, aspiring to be one, or you simply just came here because you want to hear a great story, I always want to leave you with something to ponder until next time. Today's word is from Nietzsche. He who would learn to fly one day must first learn to stand and walk and run and climb and dance because one cannot fly into flying. We often become enamored or obsessed with people who seemingly get things early in life and we equate getting things early or getting success early with lack of work or lack of effort or natural God-given talent. Take, for instance, one of my favorite athletes, Patrick Mahomes, just won a Super Bowl, and he's not even 23 years old, or when he won, he wasn't. And so we look at other people, and we expect, or ourselves, and we expect that everything should come early, and if it doesn't come early, then maybe it wasn't meant to be, or maybe we're not good enough, and we get down on ourselves, but we all have a different timeline, and we don't know Patrick's process, what he had to go through and overcome in order to get where he is. And your process will totally be different. I can promise you it will be different, whoever you are. It'll be different from Patrick Mahomes' process. And trust me, Mahomes did not fly into flying. He definitely had something that he had to go through or some work that he had to put in or has to put in, constantly is putting in, I would trust, in order to get to where he is. But don't pay attention to him. You can honor him and put his poster on your wall or worship the ground he walks on if you're in Kansas City. I'm sure those folks are doing that. But what you can't do is compare him to yourself. You definitely cannot fly into flying. And trust me, you don't want to fly into flying. Take some time, walk. Well, first, take some time, crawl. Take some time and walk. Take some time and run. Take some time and crawl. Take some time and climb. And trust that this will lead you to where you want to be.